Okay. Thanks, Kevin. I'm so grateful for, uh, for you, Mercy Hill Church. I was telling Kevin a week or two ago, and I know I haven't met all of you yet, and, and so I hope to, but you guys have made me and my wife and my kids fall in love with church again. And I know we're not perfect. None of us are. You're not. I'm not. We're all in process. We're all trying to follow Jesus together. But um, when I think of the ways you have encouraged me and my wife and my daughters and poured into us and pointed us to Jesus and hosted us, um, it's been beautiful. Thank you. Um, I've been to a number of churches in my life, and there's something really beautiful and unique happening here. So thank you, church family. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to lead you guys in worship, and now I get to preach. 1027, I need to be done by 1230, yeah, here we go. All right, we're in Advent, friends, and the theme today is joy. We did hope, then we did peace, now we're doing joy, and I'm so blessed I get to talk to you about joy, and I'll just, I'm going to show my hand really quick. I've got a one-string guitar. I, you know, I don't, I don't have, it's the gospel, like, Kevin was talking about earlier. I don't know much. I'm a simple dude. I got a degree in PE, okay? I was a gym teacher for four years. I'm not that, <laughs> not that intelligent, but I love God's word and I know the gospel. And I'm gonna play that one string guitar until the day I meet him face to face. So that's what I'm gonna bring to you today when we talk about joy. The biblical definition of joy is a little bit different than the worldly definition of joy. Am I right? Like we, we talked about this with hope too. You know, worldly hope is like, I kind of wish it happens, but it probably won't. Biblical hope is much more certain. You could say the same thing with peace. You could say the same thing with love. You know, there's competing definitions. And with joy, the world looks at joy like a feeling. It's a feeling, it's something you feel. It's right up there with happiness, and it depends on circumstances. But the biblical definition of joy, I stole from several theologians smarter than me and kind of put this definition together. Biblical joy is produced in us by the Holy Spirit. It's a byproduct of a strong, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy is delight in God and his salvation. It does not depend on circumstances, but on one's eternal identity and destiny with Christ. Joy is gospel authenticity. I'd like that last phrase. I forget the author, but that's not me. That's just some theologian, joy is gospel authenticity. So my conviction, when I look at the word of God, and I especially read like Paul's letters, like when he's in prison, and I see how joyful he is, my conviction is that we Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. That's not always the case, is it? I've met a lot of Christians who are lacking joy. I wonder what's up with that. Well, we'll get into that. Turn to Luke 2. If you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps, we put it up on the screen too. Luke 2, just a couple verses here. We've read this already, but we're going to reread it. A couple sweet verses. The angelic announcement to the shepherds goes like this. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. There's so much there that we can unpack in those couple sentences. This is the first time in the Gospel of Luke that that word good news is used. 
We, we, another way to translate it is gospel. This is the first time that word in Luke is used, gospel. It is the gospel of great joy, the good news of great joy. They're tied together. So my first point that I would make today is the gospel is the only thing that brings us true joy, real joy, great joy. That's the gospel. My life changed when the Lord opened my eyes and let me see and know and understand the gospel. That was 22 years ago, and ever since then, I'm, st- I'm still going deeper and deeper into w- what is the gospel and what are all of its implications and applications. It'll be a never-ending journey. The source of this great joy, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And I got to give a shout-out to my friend Justin. A couple weeks ago, I was having coffee with Justin, and he, he shared this quote with me. I'm just loving it. I think it's from John Piper originally. Jesus Christ is the most pleasurable thing in the universe. And he almost says that in passing, you know, as we're sipping coffee, getting to know each other, and what makes his heart beat, what gets him excited about life. But think about that. Jesus Christ is the most pleasurable thing in the universe. Why would we try and find joy in anyone or anything else? We'll spend an eternity discovering how good and joyful knowing him it really is. So let's do this. I just want to give you a two, three-minute overview of the gospel. Okay, here's the temptation with us churchgoers. And if, if you're not a normal churchgoer, we love you. Thank you for being here. But for a lot of us, we come here every week. We've heard the gospel. Maybe you grew up hearing the gospel, and it can feel like old hat. It can be elementary. It can be, you know, familiarity breeds contempt sometimes. I just don't want that to happen. So I'm going to pray for some grace that I can share the gospel overview, the basic gospel message to you in a way that makes your heart beat a little bit faster because it's our only real source of joy. And it goes in a a couple different scenes, like, like a story. Scene one, in the beginning, God created There is a good and beautiful and infinitely majestic and just and holy God. He is awesome, Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one. And out of the overflow of his own love, he created us. He didn't need us. We need him. He didn't need a thing. But out of the overflow of that joy, he created us and chose to know us and walk with us and live with us forever in a perfect creation. That was his intent. And this is our origin story. You and I exist out of the overflow of joy in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God gave you and I as a gift to himself. (laughs) But then something went terribly wrong, right? We ate from the tree. We took the fruit. We believed the lies of the enemy. We rebelled. We tried to be our own God. We sided with the enemy. It's bad. Like, here's the thing. If the good news is really good news, we need to take a glimpse at the bad news. You can't just preach the gospel like, oh, Jesus loves you. A lost and dying world is like, okay, great, thanks. Like, no, 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 hold on. (laughs) There's, There's a little bit of a predicament here. We are eternally separated because of our own evil desires. Our sin and wickedness, it messed everything up. We became slaves to sin. 
separated from the source of life, completely without hope in and of ourselves, we deserve, deserve eternal separation, darkness, and death, and hell because of those thoughts, words, and actions. That's the reality of the matter. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is, this is the second chapter in the gospel overview. It's bad, friends. It's bad. And we only have one hope. Scene number three. God still pursued us, even though he didn't have to. He still pursues you right this very moment. He's pursuing you. It's what he loves to do. Some theologians say it poetically, the hound of heaven has taken to the chase. I like that. Even in our utter sinfulness, God took on flesh and dwelt among us, Emmanuel. His name is Jesus Christ. He was miraculously born of a virgin, lived a perfect life on our behalf, shed perfect blood for us, and bore the wrath of a holy God against all our sins. He died a sacrificial death that we deserved took our place, paid the penalty for all our sins, redeemed us back to himself, and God showed us his love in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that death, that cross changed everything. Can I get an amen? But then three days later, he rose. Hallelujah. Conquering sin, death, hell, Satan, he ascended to the right hand of God the Father. He poured out his Holy Spirit on all who believe in him, giving us power to know him, follow him, love him, obey him, delight in him. He's the king of creation, the name above every name. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We who believe in his name will live forever with him in heaven. His kingdom will never, ever, ever end. You want to be joyful? You want to experience joy? The gospel is the source of real joy. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That simple gospel overview, I would just, I would encourage you, preach it to yourself on a bad day. I got to do this for me. I'm like, I'm just like you. I get grumpy. I get angry. I got to drive in my car someday and just, I just got to preach to myself. Hey, Adam, listen up. You're whining, you're complaining, you got your eyes set on what's right before you instead of what's eternal. Like, can I just remind you, oh my soul, you are infinitely loved by a perfect God right now where you sit. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Jesus bled for you. He took your place. He died for you. And guess what? He said it was joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it for them. I'll, I'm, I'm going to get a bride. I'm going to get a people for eternity. I'll do it. I'll suffer. Yep, I'm in. He saw our faces and called it joy. I think a problem we have sometimes is we think the gospel is only meant to be preached on Sunday mornings or maybe on those rare occasions when we're trying to evangelize. And we forget, you got to preach the gospel to yourself sometimes. There's a shortage of joy in the world, and the gospel is the remedy. The gospel is the antidote. I wonder, how well do you know it? How well do you preach it to yourself? How well do you pray it, stand on it, proclaim it, cling to it, believe in it? Let's go, church. This is the only thing we got. We got the gospel. 
How are we supposed to give it to a lost and dying world if at first we don't apply it lavishly to our own selves? <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's talk about this phrase, though, too, from Luke 2. For unto you a Savior is born. He is Christ the Lord. Savior, Lord. Salvation, Lordship. They go hand in hand, my friends. They go hand in hand. Sometimes I want one without the other. And I wonder if you're real honest, if you can empathize with me a little bit. I really like that Jesus wants to save me from eternal separation in hell. I love that. Sign me up for salvation. But then he also says, yeah, but I want to be your Lord, your King, your Master, your Sovereign. Ah, uh, can we just go back to the salvation stuff? That was really cool. You want to be in charge of what? All of it. All of it. Kevin was saying this morning, and, and we were singing it. Lordship. One of the keys to real biblical joy is coming underneath that lordship of King Jesus. Some of you might be experiencing a shortage of joy in your own life because you're not under his lordship in some areas of life. And that's a process for all of us. There's going to be that Holy Spirit course correction forever until the day we see him face to face and become like him in a moment. Like, we're going to spend the rest, you know. I, so I told my kids, I, I think I'm going to share the story of how I was a, a big jerk and had to repent to the whole family. And Cadence goes, which time? <laughs> For real, I, like, I'm right there with you in the trenches. I'm right there with you in the trenches. I'm, I'm a little bit more expressive, and you might think, like, wow, that guy's got it all together. He's just 24-7 joyful. Far from it. Far from it. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was just a big jerk. I was grumpy. I was impatient. I was irritable. I'm doing this 75 hard thing, but that's not an excuse. And with my kids, it's like, Clean your room. You know, like, don't talk to your mom like that. Take the dog off. And our whole house became this, like, like you, the joy just went away. My expectations weren't being met. That's why. If they would just, if they would just. Are, are you ever a if they would just kind of person? If they would just, then I'll be joyful. Dang it. <laughs> so I had to call a family meeting. And I had to step up, fathers and husbands, just a suggestion. And I had to lead in repentance. We got to be leaders, right? Leading in repentance is uncomfortable. And I'll have to lead in repentance again and again and again. It's continual. This is not a one and done thing. Repent and believe the good news is not a one and done thing. It's a one and done thing for your justification right? To stand before God covered in Christ. But it's, it's not a one and done thing for sanctification for the rest of your life. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Every day, repent and believe the gospel. We need it. I'm, I, I, I'm still in process. I'll probably lose my patience again in the next hour. So I need, I need, I just and thankfully, my kids were awesome. My wife was awesome. But it, you know what it did, though? It changed the atmosphere of our whole house. You just, like, my kids became more who they're created to be. Freedom, joy, like, 
laughter and, and, and dancing and joy returned to our house. But first I had to say, guys, I've been kind of a jerk. I've been impatient and grumpy and rude. And I've been treating you according to whether or not you're meeting certain expectations. And expectations are good, right? I'm not, hey, we, you, there's certain things you should do and should not do in a household, but I just wanted to not love my kids based on whether or not they're measuring up. Uh, so I had to repent. It's a simple, maybe silly story, but I, I hope it encourages you. We need to repent. When, when the lordship of Jesus comes into your life and that Holy Spirit conviction says, hey, hey, you're, you're off course. Don't go that way. Turn, go this way. And maybe for you, it's something completely different. But, but I have a sneaky suspicion that if you're looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at on your screens, the Holy Spirit is inviting you to repent and believe the gospel. And if and when you do, you will experience an increased amount of joy in your life. I have a sneaky suspicion that if there's bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness in your life toward another brother or sister and you're just harboring it, the Holy Spirit's probably tapping you on the shoulder and calling you to repent and believe the gospel, forgive that person, let go of bitterness. And if and when you do, you will experience more joy in your life. Sometimes the shortage of joy we are experiencing is, is because we need to look to the gospel, repent from something, and put our whole entire hope in that good news. Turn to Philippians 4. 4 verse 4. We got it on the screen too. This is a really short one and famous, I think. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Um, that's good. We could just do, yeah, actually just verse four is, is where I'm going to focus today. Um, man, who knows where Paul is when he's writing this one? You can talk. Where's Paul? Yeah, he's in prison again. Apostle Paul got arrested again. He's in prison. It's, it's not a very happy place to be. Yet, most scholars and theologians consider Philippians to be the most joyful book in the Bible. Some number of rejoicing or joy is commanded or mentioned upwards of 16 plus times in four chapters. A lot of joy in that book. A lot of rejoicing in that book. So my point in sharing that is that joy is not a feeling. Joy is a choice. It's actually, it's a command. It's a command. Like we're commanded in scripture. Paul writes in, uh, I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5, be joyful always. Be joyful. Like that's, friends, that's a command. Isn't that weird that God commands us to rejoice and to be joyful? Sometimes I just don't want to. Or sometimes I've had people, and I've said this myself, yeah, I'm just, I'm just struggling to be joyful. I'm just struggling to experience joy. Okay, okay, I get, I get where people are coming from, but it's one of those commands in Scripture, right? Pick another command in Scripture. Like, wouldn't it be funny? Another command is, thou shalt not murder. Like, if I met you for coffee and said, I'm just, just struggling with not wanting to murder people. You'd be like, Adam? It's a command, so like we need to talk. It's not okay. <laughs> I think you have anger issues. But it's okay if someone says, yeah, I'm just struggling with joy. And we go, oh, yeah, I've been there. That's tough. 
so about the Packers, you know, it's like, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, lordship, right? This is a command, right? And it's written by a guy in prison, right? His circumstances weren't so good, right? But he has the audacity inspired by the Holy Spirit to say, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Not just when you feel like it. Here, don't, don't let how you feel dictate how you rejoice. How's that? Don't let how you feel dictate how you rejoice. And not just on Sunday mornings, but every day. And I've found that some of the most powerful times I've had in corporate praise and worship, like what we just did here on a Sunday morning, are Sundays when I'm coming in and life is hard and I'm kind of bumming. But I make the choice, by God's grace, I just exercise a little bit of my willpower and say, yet I will praise you. Everything in my life is telling me, stay at home, stay in bed. Life stinks. Life is hard. But I make the choice. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice anyway. I'm going to praise him anyway. An hour later, something supernatural happens. It's beautiful. I think it's more worshipful to God when we praise him and rejoice when life is hard. When life is easy, it's like, well, okay. I just got a raise. My kids are all perfectly obeying everything I say. You know, life is good. Praise the Lord. It's like, oh, okay. Cool, yeah, praise him. Yes, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome, praise the Lord. But I love in those times when, whether it's me or somebody else, like, you know what? Life is not so great right now. If I could change a thousand things, I would, but I'm gonna praise God anyway. I'm gonna sing to the rafters. I'm gonna lift my hands. I'm gonna fill my lungs with his breath, and I'm going to give him the praise that he's due. Like, do you know what God does in those moments? I think we touch his heart in those moments. I, he looks at that like, whoa, my child, like that, that right there. I love that. Thank you. I love that. carries so much more weight when we choose to be joyful, when we choose to rejoice despite circumstances. If the gospel is true 24-7, let that be true of our joy as well. Um, One helpful tip would be just to get into his presence. If you want to really rejoice in the Lord always, get into his presence Spend time with him. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. What I mean by that is like, a, like any good relationship, right? Claire and I, we see each other every day. We hug and kiss each other every day. We talk to each other every day. We text every day. What if I use that as an excuse to say, I don't think we need a date night this week? No, no that's not good for a relationship. Your relationship with God is very similar. Like, yeah, he's omnipresent. He's all the all the places at all the times, you can talk to him anywhere, but if you're not carving out time to get into his word, to get into prayer, just to be with him, you might be experiencing a shortage of joy. That would be my first question. If you come up to me after the sermon and want to ask questions about, yeah, I want more joy, one of the first things I'll say is, tell me about your, your alone time with God. Are you in the word? Are you in prayer? 
Are you committed to spending time with him? I don't know a more joyful place to be on this side of heaven than right here in his word and in his presence in prayer. The other place would be in fellowship with other believers right here, right now. You gotta be, gotta be with other brothers and sisters who love you and care for you and be honest and be vulnerable with them. Open up a little bit and let them minister to you. Practical ways, it, like Psalm 16 says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. So just some practical ways to get more into his presence so that you can follow the command of Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, because I guarantee you, one of the things Paul was doing in that prison cell, probably a lot of praying. He's not just writing letters all the time. He is in God's presence. He's praying. He's praying for himself. He's praying for all the churches. He's praying for the advancement of the gospel. He's just praising God for his goodness. He's praising God because he knows the end of the story. He's praising God because he knows the gospel. He's praising God because one day he was walking to Damascus to kill people. The next day, he's just preaching the gospel. So in that cell, he's spending a lot of time in God's presence. No wonder he's joyful still. Um, so, so my wife is really good at being in God's presence. And it's really funny because the opportunities that this will provide you are pretty cool for ministry and evangelism and stuff like that. One day, a few years ago, we were at the office we, we work together. I can't get enough of you. I want to live with you, work with you. We work together. And so there's this other guy in our office and he's like, he's just watching Claire and Claire's doing her thing. She's like, she's exuding joy. She's serving people. She's smart. She's probably got like a praise and worship song in her mind somewhere. And she's, she's just doing work with a certain degree of joy and delight. And this guy, he goes, what's with you? And Claire, like bubbly, like, what do you mean? <laughs> Why are you so joyful? And he says it like that too. Why are you so joyful? And Claire says, honestly? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. I think it's just how only Claire can do Jesus. And he goes, well, I got Jesus too, but I'm not that joyful. That's the trick, right? You can actually be a Christian, but not be doing some of these things, and you're going to experience a lack of joy. I wouldn't exactly want that guy to go out, you know, ministering to people with that attitude. You should get your butt in church. And he's just, he was just grumpy that day, but Claire exuding joy. And he was confused by, well, I got Jesus too, but I'm not that joyful. This guy has a tendency to look at his experiences, and if they're good, he's good. And if they're bad, he complains. That was just who he was. He didn't have to be that way, but no wonder. He's looking at his circumstances two inches in front of him, and instead of trusting a sovereign God who's in charge of his circumstances and seeing the end of the story. Shortage of joy. Turn to James 1, 2, and 3. We got it on the screen, too, if you don't want to turn to it. James 1, 2, and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Okay, so if the gospel is the source of all joy and great joy, and if Joy is not a feeling, but it's a choice, so we should rejoice in the Lord always. This next point, I would say, is 
Sometimes you just need to fight for your joy. I would not have translated this in my, in my feelings, in my flesh. I would have translated this like, consider it melancholiness when you face trials. Of me. Consider it, eh, and just try and get through it. Just grit your teeth and try your best. It's probably going to be really hard. Not James. Not James. He says, consider it pure joy. The dictionary says of consider as a definition, to think carefully about something before making a decision. When you're going through trials of many kinds, think carefully about this before you make a decision. It's pure joy. That sounds so countercultural, right? Pure joy, James, what are you talking about? Just a short word about trials and hardships tribulations, storms. <laughs> in this fallen world, everybody in this room, you're either in the middle of a storm right now, you're just coming out of a storm, or you're about to go in another one. That's the nature of trials and hardships in this fallen world. Now, there will be a day, oh, church, there's gonna be a day where that is not the case. And we anchor our hope in that. But until that day, we need to get used to, this is a fallen world. There will be trials and hardships. However, keeping the end in sight, we can trust that a sovereign God is using our trials and our hardships to transform us into becoming more like his son, Jesus. And that the end of our story is far more beautiful than we could ever imagine. So that's why James says, consider this pure joy. And James knew a thing or two about trials and suffering. I just think that's so mind-blowing. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. How many times you greet someone in church? Like, hey, how's it going, Adam? Purely joyful. I'm facing so many trials right now. Hardships everywhere. Just really suffering here, so I'm counting it all joy. How are you doing? I know it's weird. It's a little weird. I get it. I get, it's a little backward, and perhaps we don't need to exactly talk like that. But there is an authenticity here to saying, you know what? I'm struggling. It's hard. I'm not doing so great in and of myself. I got A, B, C, and D going on, and it's not fun. But... I'm still anchored in that joy, man. It, the, in fact, these hard things are making me more like put all my hope, all of my joy, all my peace, all these themes we're talking about. I'm banking everything on Jesus because this doesn't hold water. I tried to hope in my finances. That didn't work. I tried to hope in worldly relationships. That didn't work. I tried to hope in my health. That didn't work. All of these things will fail in the end when it comes to the source of real joy and really putting our hope on those things. So when you go through them, it makes you run to Jesus and say, oh, you're the only one. You're the only one. And I'm going to consider these things pure joy because they're making me lean on you even more. They're making me run to you even more. They're making me pray to you even more. I would, I would 
beseech you, I would beg you, church, one thing to do. Don't surrender your joy so easily. Sometimes we need to fight for our joy. And, and here's the thing. Most of us here, we're, we're believers, right? If, if you're a Christian, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone, you're a believer. What's the primary job of a believer? Again, I'm a, I'm a gym teacher. I'm not, I'm not trying to trick you. Simple answers. What's the primary job of a believer? Believe. Believe. It's in the word. Believe. Primary job of a believer. Believe. Believe. Kevin's been saying it a lot these last few months. Believe. Believe. And sometimes when circumstances throw us a curveball and they're really hard, we need to double down on that. Just that word, like, I'm a, okay, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. One way I would encourage you to do that, this, this will surely lead to an increased joy. Um, that word of God that we read, um, take, a few, take a few memory verses. Use them as ammunition. Paul says that the, the word of God is the sword of the Spirit, right? And we need to start swinging that sword sometimes at the enemy. Because spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. And the enemy knows, okay, for the Christian, I can't steal, kill, or destroy their salvation, although he would like to. He can't. He can't. No one can snatch us from the hand of Jesus Christ. But he can try to steal and kill and destroy our joy, our sense of peace, our prayer life, right? He, he can go after the. He can try and make us ineffective. He can't rob us of salvation. So he's going to do that. He's going to. And how do you know you're in the right place at the right time? You get attacked. You get attacked. You're, you're in the Lord's army now if you're a believer in Christ. And for those of you who aren't, you can be today. You totally can be today. But if you're a believer, you're in the Lord's army and the enemy hates you and you have a big bullseye on you from the pit of hell and he's coming after you. And so many times I talk to believers who are surprised by that fact. Like, whoa, why is life so hard lately? And especially when they make good decisions. They make like really good decisions as a Christian. Like they start honoring God with certain areas of their life that previously they weren't. And instead of life getting easier and more convenient and comfortable, it actually gets harder. And then us Christians, we're so goofy. We're surprised. Like, why did that happen? Why is it getting harder? I'm, I'm praying. I'm doing all the right things. I'm starting to honor my wife and my family. I'm doing this with my finances. I'm, the things I'm learning in Scripture, I'm trying to apply, and life is getting harder. You sound like the soldier who's surprised that the enemy's firing at them. Why are they firing at us? It's because you're, you're, you're advancing against their territory. That is a good thing. How do you know you're in the right place at the right time? You're getting attacked. You're a threat to the enemy. Rejoice. He hates you. God loves you. Your salvation is secure. Keep obeying. Keep advancing. And take those scriptures like ammunition against the enemy. One of my favorite is 1 John 4.4. 4. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And I will just swing that like a sword at 5 a.m. some mornings. No, no, no. Greater is he. Okay, the third person of the Trinity lives inside of me. The Holy Spirit against Satan. No contest. He lives in me. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in me. Let's go. And I'll just pace 
a floor. I'll just, I'll do it. And I'll be like, Lord, I believe. Again, believe. I'm a believer. I believe. I believe that the Holy Spirit lives in me and greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. In and of myself, I don't stand a chance against Satan and all of his minions. But with you, they don't stand a chance. That's who lives in me. I just believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I swing it like a sword. And if I'm feeling attacked, if my joy is coming under attack, I just say, I must be doing something right. I must be, he really hates me right now. I'm really feeling the pressure. I must be doing something right. So I would encourage you guys, fight for your joy. And don't be surprised when the enemy fires at you. One of my favorite stories in the last century is um, this one from Richard Wormbrandt. Have you ever, anybody heard of Richard Wormbrandt? Voice of the Martyrs, Tortured for Christ. This guy, oh, this Lutheran pastor in East Europe, you, you guys should read some of his stuff or, or check out his interviews on YouTube, Richard Wormbrandt. Um, so he was being tortured. He was arrested. He was persecuted. He was tortured for his faith in Christ in communist Russia, communist USSR. Communism is evil. <laughs> They're just torturing him. Well, he and his other Christians are in the prison. And so uh, what they would do besides starve and torture and beat these guys regularly and try and get names of other Christians in Eastern Europe, what they would do is they would chain them so that they couldn't gather together in their prison cell, other Christians, and keep warm and pray together. They'd chain them like separate from each other. Wrist or ankle, you're chained. And so get this quote from Richard. This is amazing. As prisoners, we would regularly sing songs to God in our cells. With no instruments to accompany us, however, we used our chains as rhythm instruments to praise the Lord as we sang our songs. Because sometimes you need to fight for your joy. And sometimes those circumstances in your life feel like chains. And I just want to encourage you, like Richard Wormbrandt, use them as percussion instruments to praise the Lord even louder. You feeling like the enemy's, you know, vomiting his rage on you or he's doing stuff in your life? Find a way to use it to rejoice all the more. Those chains, I can't believe it. I would have been very tempted to think, well, I guess we're stuck here. Now I got nothing. I'm going to probably die soon. I'm ch- now I'm chained. I can't even go across the room. Like, no, they, they thought, huh, that's cool. I got a percussion instrument right here. And they just praised Jesus and sang their songs. Man, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, pure joy. Okay, almost done. Nehemiah 8.10, really quick. Go to Nehemiah 8.10. We got it on the screen. It's very short. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay, notice it says the joy of the Lord. Joy of the Lord. It doesn't say your joy in the Lord is what is your strength. It says the joy of the Lord. There must be something about his joy inside of us. That's our strength. What we think about God is probably the most important thing about us. Okay? And so how you view God is really, really important. You know, some Christians, 
I know no one in this room would ever say this, but some Christians out there in the world, they don't believe that God is all that joyful. Some Christians out there think God is very angry most of the time. Uh, some Christians out there think that God is just, he's, he's stoic, he's reserved, he's, he's stoic. Or maybe he's, if you're like me, I grew up thinking God was just mildly disappointed with me most of the time. Like that was his number one emotion, mild disappointment. When he saw Adam's astro, or what, what has Adam been up to today? Hmm, not surprised. That's how, that, was my, that was how I thought of how we view God is really, really important. It shapes us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So <laughs> God is really, really joyful is what I'm trying to say. Here's why. Here's why he's really, he's not disappointed. He's not frustrated. He's not unhappy with where the story of history is going. He's not. He's not surprised by any of it. He's the author. He knows what he's doing. He's delighted with the ending. He's really happy. And we know, we've read the end of the book, I hope. Read the end of the book if you haven't. It's really good. God knows where this is all going. He knows that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He knows that he will triumph over all of his enemies. In fact, he's already won the battle. He knows that he will receive all glory, all honor, and all praise. He knows that his people, you and I, will receive grace, mercy, forgiveness, redemption, and eternal life in his very presence forever and ever and ever. Amen. He knows all that. We know it too, but he, like, he knows it. He wrote the book. He wrote the story. He knows this. So can you imagine how infinitely happy and glad and delighted and joyful he is at his own story? He didn't make a mistake, church. It's a good story. It's the story of all stories. And we might not see it now, but on that day, I promise you, we will see it. We'll be singing with the sound of many rushing waters. He is that joyful. He is infinitely joyful, delighted, and glad. And when that is your view of God, then the joy of the Lord really can be your strength. Because he's not moody or capricious. The Father delights in the Son. The Son delights in the Father. The Holy Spirit delights in the Father and the Son. And out of that overflow, we're, we're all here. And he's writing a story with our lives. And he's going to take every seemingly bad, tough, hard moment and redeem it because he's a redeemer. And when your joy is anchored in that, then the joy of the Lord is your strength. I mean, strength. When you need strength, his joy is your strength. He looks at all of that and he's, I mean, we're talking like backflips in heaven, kind of joyful. He is infinitely joyful in the story of redemption that he's writing. He thinks it's a really good story. Maybe you're reading the wrong news headlines. Just saying. I get caught up in that too. Like, what's going on over here in this part of the world? Our economy's doing what? Our what, what election year coming up? <sighs> Read a better news channel. Bigger picture. <laughs> and you will find joy that can be your strength. Uh, John 15, 11, Jesus was saying, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, his joy in us, 
and that your joy may be full. And he wants your joy to be full, church. He wants your joy to be full, not lacking in joy. That's the kind of joy that he brings to us 2,000 years ago that the angels announced to the shepherds. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, and it will be for all the people. Ben can come up now. I'm going to pray us out here. Um, if you guys are cool with it, I just want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. Um, I want to pray for all of you, but I want to pray a special prayer for anybody who right now in this place is, you know, maybe you're feeling especially attacked. Maybe you're just, man, it's been heavy lately. Maybe the Christmas season brings for you not that much joy because of things in the past. I don't know your story and I don't want to pretend to, but I do want to pray. So if, if we could, let me just pray for a minute. Um, if you guys want to play lightly in the background, go for it. I know we're going to go into some more praise and worship. I'm excited for that. So Jesus, ugh. okay, first, Jesus, I want to pray for people in this place who are feeling a heaviness, who are feeling a lack of joy, who want joy. who They really do, Lord. The sincerity of their hearts is saying, yes, I want that. I do want to believe the gospel with my entire being. I do want to have joy that's not based on my circumstances, but it's still hard. Um, Father, I, I just pray for those people in this place this morning. I thank you that you're tender with us. I thank you that you know how to meet us right where we're at. And you know exactly what we need to hear. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to those hearts in this place who really do want joy, who want closeness with you. Maybe there's some people here who really need to hear from you this morning, Lord. They just feel like you've gone silent, like you haven't said much lately to them, but they want to hear you. God, would you speak to them too? Would you bring joy into their life right now in this place in a way that only the gospel can, in a way that only King Jesus can? Yeah, and Lord, I, I, uh, the other group of people I kind of want to pray for is, is people who have not uh, really come under your lordship. And, and of course, Anybody in this place, Lord, that doesn't yet know you, that hasn't yet put their trust in you, I pray that you would show them who you really are. Let them catch a glimpse of your glory. Let them catch a glimpse of your goodness and love, God, and, and just capture their hearts in this place this morning. Thank you for pursuing us. But I also pray for Christians who, in this place, maybe they're just struggling with an area of sin, an area of addiction, an area, something that they're not really bringing under your lordship. It's, it's that thing hidden in a dark corner. And they're so bothered by it, but they're not, they're not really getting free. Uh, God, I, I just pray that you administer to them, Lord. I, I pray for them. I pray for freedom. I pray for repentance. Repentance that leads to times of refreshing, like Peter said in, in Acts. Repentance is a beautiful thing, Lord. There's people in here who maybe need to repent. Turn from something and turn toward the gospel. Turn toward you. And I pray that you would show them your joyful, smiling face as they turn from something that's sinful and turn to you. You're not there with your arms crossed, disappointed. 
God, I pray that's a lie of religion. The enemy loves that stuff. God, I pray that you would greet them with joy, that they would see your ear-to-ear grin and you would welcome them back home and help them to truly repent of it, to lay it down, whatever that issue might be. Something small, something big. Holy Spirit, I just trust that you'll do the work. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being all that you are. Thank you for being our joy, our eternal joy. We praise you this morning. Amen.